Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Steve Rosenblum. There was a keg stand I lost to an 81-year-old lady. She got off the <laughs> dance floor, and then, and, but I was, it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like they're, like Channel 2 News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm going to dunk his ass. They suck, so you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right? Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink, stank, stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning. Welcome in. Saturday Suckage. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Stevie Suckage here on the Big 670. Let's take roll. See who else is here. Grobber. It sucks and it freebases. By the way, we have an update on Grobber's most valuable possession. We will get to that. Something that you may not have known about over there. Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Jake Arietta. This sucks. Really, it does. Albert Elmore. Damn, Willie, man, like, do we suck? Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you gotta embrace the suck. Eloy Jimenez. Hey, you guys not gonna make anyway. You guys are suck. Hey, when when I got traded the next day, oh, welcome to the suck team. Guys, welcome to the DLIL. All the L's. They're gonna retire. They're gonna name it after Eloy Jimenez. Toby! Oh my god, this sucks! Random Bears fan. Terry Moore's! Finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides I do. Liam Hendricks! I wouldn't say seeking perfection, it's just mainly trying not to suck. He rang the bell. Oh my goodness. So happy. He rang the bell. Julie Swika. Man, that sucks. Wilson Contreras. Losing, losing suck. I'll tell you that, and, and that's all I can say. George went. We had fun, uh, but there you go. I sucked. Garth Algar. Get it off, man. Get it off. It's sucking my will to live. Steve Dahl. Discord sucks. Discord sucks. Candice Parker. Um, I mean, it sucks. Roquan Smith. Yeah, man. Sucks. Caesar Perez. Yes, sir. Hey, look look who's back. 
back, back, Caesars, back, back, back. How are you, dude? I'm back. I couldn't stay away. It's too much fun. Yeah, I could tell. Well, you avoided it for about a year. Okay, nicely done. Welcome to Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Square Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealer. Our phone number, that number here at the score, 312-640-467-67. That will get you to our listener line powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the book. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. That number, I'll repeat it, 312-644-6767, also gets you to the scores tech zone. The tech zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at RosenHyundai.com. I have this broadcasting note for everyone. Tomorrow. Coming up tomorrow. That would be Sunday. Easter Sunday, it's a Chicago sports doubleheader. First, starting at 1145 on News Radio 780 WBBM, you'll be able to hear Bulls Pistons from the United Center. Then right here on 670, the score and the Odyssey app, it's the Cubs versus the Rangers. It's the series finale from Wrigley Field. Two games of great action right here in Chicago. We are Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. My guest today, there's so much going on today, Caesar. I, I hope you're buckled up for this. Megan Montemurro of the Tribune, she'll talk Cubs at 1120. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, White Sox beat writer and Eagles fanatic, we will discuss that. One of us has stood on a corner in Winslow, Arizona, and I was such a fine sight to see. We'll talk to Scott about the Sox. And I have a choice. This is a question for the Sox. Question for you, Sox fans. The choice, and remember, death is not an option. Fat Lance or Slimmer Lucas? It's not really a joke. You can't believe how crappy they are. We'll compare them side by side. I mean, I know I always know Lance Lynn wasn't the most in shape guy, but I mean, God, is the clock exposing him? Yes. Well, Lucas Giolito supposedly got in shape, and his ERA is stratospheric. Twelve twenty. Cody Westerland will be here. The Bulls. They're in the pity party known as the play-in. They have a date for that. We'll get to that in a moment. We'll talk to Cody about that at twelve twenty. One o'clock. Mark Grody will be here. He covers the Bears. He covers all sorts of things. For the score, that's us. And we'll ask Mark if they're going to draft the best local best local kid available. Isn't that the way this seems to be going? So I have a question because last week was National Joe Day. We'll do this throughout the state of the show. Who's the greatest Joe in Chicago sports history? It's National Joe Day. You're supposed to honor Caesar is a Joe Madden. That's the first name that popped in my head as soon as I heard the question. Joe so that's Madden recency bias. It might be. It might be. No. Joe Creedy. What about Joe Creedy? I'm a Cub fan. So. He was clutch. He was he was clutch. Joe Creedy. Craig Brown on my Twitter feed suggested Joe Fortunato. It's a good call. This guy was 12 years NFL linebacker in the Bears tradition. Five-time All-Pro, was assistant coach of the Bears. 
I don't know the number of lives he took, but I'm sure there were many because that's what Bears linebackers are supposed to do. 630 texture, our text number 312-644-6767. That'll get you to the phones. That'll get you to the text line. This was one of the most interesting names possible. Joe Jackson. Shoeless Joe Jackson. Of movie fame, certainly. Field of Dreams, right? That's Even though he was a left-handed hitter and Ray Liotta couldn't hit left-handed, but they wanted to cast Ray Liotta, and so he batted right-handed. That's what makes <laughs> that was just that's that's what makes Joe Jackson kind of a a, a different one for uh, because for a lot of people he's he's just that a movie character. So he's so far removed, you know. But you can look it up. Same thing with Joe Fortunato. Go look it up. Craig Brown on my Twitter feed was right about that. Go look it up. You go. Oh yeah. Where's he won something. He was on the 63 team. Butkus gets all the plaudits. Butkus is a, he's this great. What? And there's no question. Dick Butkus, who, who's, uh, he was perfect at that position, perfect for the Bears, onomatopoetic name because he hit like a Butkus, right? He never won anything. I don't think he ever played in the playoffs. How about uh, Joe Fortunato did? How about from the 773? We got uh, Joe Mama. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. Joe Kane. He don't lie. He don't lie. He don't lie. Joe Kane. Joe Kane was hysterical. Probably still is. I've not heard him lately. Although I heard, was he on the air recently or did I hear an old tape? I thought I caught part of it on, was it Parkins and Spiegel? Parkins and Grody? I heard. Anyways, he played for Wania. Oh, Joe Kane. Uh, Joe Kim Noah, there is an excellent... Yeah, see, so you get, and here's what, I'll expand this when you're talking about the greatest Joes. I'll expand it because National Joe Day is Joe, Joseph, Joey, Jody. Now I'm going to hear from Maggie Hendricks. Maggie Hendricks is going to go, I know a Jody. Harry made him famous. Jody, Jody Davis. Yeah. Okay, we have a lot of people with the whole Joe Mama thing. And here's a great 847. I love that. Yes. Joe Ditka. That's it. I was waiting for someone to say Michael Joden. Yeah, you can go there. Sure. Okay. And this is the two of the names I thought of. They're both former Cubs. And one was Joe Pepitone. Joe Pepitone was, he was just supposed to be so mod, so bitching. He was, he was on those Yankees and he just Wow, I'm with Mickey Mantle. Well, you can't run with Mickey Mantle. You weren't Mickey Mantle anyways. And you were really nothing. And then you came to the Cubs and you got a couple years of, hey, yeah, wow, it's not New York. So, And then the other name, if you really want to go back, Caesar, this is, this is a great name. Joe Tinker, as in Tinker to Evers to Chance. That one I do recognize, and that one kind of popped in my head. Uh, but another one, right? They're so far removed that for a lot of people that they're kind of just like mythical, you know, guys in movies type of guys. Tinker to Evers to Chance. Come on. That's it. So, anyways, we will continue to take your suggestions throughout the show. 312-644-6767 gets you to our phones, gets you to our text line. 
Who's the greatest Joe in Chicago history? In the meantime, I had mentioned the <laughs> the Bulls got a date for the pity party. So they have another must-win game. It's Wednesday in Toronto against the Raptors. Win or die. Must-win game. How have the Bulls done recently in their must-win games? They featured pathetic first quarters is how they've done. They soiled the bed in each of the last four opening periods, and they've lost whatever mattered. But worse, the way they've done this, as if they can't be more embarrassing, they lost to a Hawks team battling to get some kind of pity party spot that was better than the Bulls. The Hawks were without Trey Young, and the Bulls lost. And the Bulls played the Bucks. Another was must-win game for the Bulls, and they didn't have Giannis, and the I mean the Bucks didn't have Giannis. Well, the Bulls don't have him either. Bucks didn't have Giannis. The Bucks didn't have Middleton, and the Bulls didn't care. They didn't care, or they don't know how to prepare, or the coach doesn't know how to prepare his team to start a game. A coach whose greatest characteristic we we're learning now is he's not Jim Boylan. Congratulations, and with that kind of inept unprofessional behavior. That's how you land the 10th seed. The guy in charge of the roster, the guy who refused to change this ill-equipped roster with any view to the future. He said he expects the Bulls to reach the second round. Now let's define our terms here, as they say in law school. This does not count as a round. Wednesday's win-or-die game against Toronto doesn't count because then you have to play another win-or-die game. The NFL, NBA even says so. The NBA says, we don't know. It's not. It's certainly not a playoff game. You can count it whatever you want. By the way, 10th seeds, 0-4 in these win-or-die games. So, AK's team will be asked to win a game that no 10th seed has won and then be asked to beat a better team in another win-or-walk game and then get the Bucks in the second round. So, AK's ineptitude or inertia Take your pick. At the trade deadline, choosing to become a laughing stock with a statement that he would be evaluating the players the last 28 games and stressing player development. This while Laurie Marketing developed into an all-star somewhere else. Nicely done. Meanwhile, neither of AK's first two draft picks has developed into a starter. One was taken fourth overall. And AK's $215 million man developed into someone who can't lead a team. $250 million doesn't go very far. And we're quickly learning that Arturis Karnischewicz, or slowly learning, has become Lithuanian for Garpax. But there's an upside here. Even though the Bulls lost two or three games to the Raptors this year, they lost both games in Toronto, they won in Chicago. The Raptors suck offensively even worse than the Bulls do since the All-Star game. They just can't shoot. Now, their, their, their length, their defense, their double teams, they force a lot of turnovers. That's what the Toronto defense is all about. They have the second-best defense, defensive effectiveness since the All-Star game, which is how they went 12-9 and nine when they couldn't shoot. They could barely make a quarter of their threes. You thought the Bulls were bad. Well, you're right. The Bulls are bad. But this is the one thing that gives the Bulls a shot, is that Toronto can't shoot. 
However, somebody's always going to find a way against the Bulls, and I'll bet Toronto comes out and wants to play a first quarter, and I'll bet the Bulls forget how to do it. Maybe they'll maybe their first quarter enthusiasm and preparation won't clear customs. This is a team mentally this is this is a team given all they've said and done and shown you this year. You think they'll actually want it? You pick night? pick one. You know what, Caesar? I'm going to ask you this, Caesar. Which Wizard of Oz character that Dorothy picks up along the way are the Bulls. The one that had needed a brain, wanted a brain, if I only had a brain, if I only had a heart, if I only had nerve. I think it's the Tin Man. They need the heart. I, I don't think they don't have the courage. They they just don't. I don't know. I don't think they have the heart to finish these games, you know? Or stardom. Yes, Texter, I said. 386. Where's 386? 386. National Joe Day was March 27th. I said it was last week. What gives? Here's what gives. And somebody suggested Jose Abreu. Yep, 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 yep. Jose Abreu. Very well done. Caesar, where's the 386 area code? Do something. And I got something else for you to do after this. You have to set up a web poll. So while you're doing that, we're having the latest, the next great web poll for my rapper name. Dr. Dreidel is still the reigning champion. So Caesar set it up on the Chicago, the score The 670, the score, Chicago sports heroes. Okay, it's either going to be Dr. Dreidel or I want to make sure that I... I, 262 Texture, I want to credit the... 262 Texture had this one post-Shalom, okay? Post-Shalom or Dr. Dreidel. So set this up. Meanwhile, where's the 386... Florida. Oh, the Banana Republic of Florida. Says Palm Beach. Wow. The Banana Republic of Florida being heard from on the score. We'll take a break. We will talk Cubs with Megan Montemurro of the Tribune. And look at that. Pitching, defense, timely hitting. You'd think they went out of their way to set it up only this way. But that just creates the opportunity to trade for Shohei Otani. That's where you go. You got a billionaire owner, right? Could you think of any better way to spend your money? Okay. I'm Steve Rosen from Saturday Suckage. Thank you for joining me. The greatest Joe in Chicago sports history. Yeah, Joe Quinville counts. Look at that. Except he's as disgusting as the rest of the Blackhawks are depraved. So we say no. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Well, I try not to. Uh, I try to just answer the questions you guys get. I don't. I don't get on the uh, Twitter machine or anything like that. But people check in uh, on me. I think when it goes awry on there and ask how I'm doing, um, I think part of my job is to answer the questions that you guys might have or the fans might have. I know a lot of that goes to you guys. Part of my job is to to take criticism when I make those decisions and um, explain my answers as best I can without giving away any kind of competitive advantage or things that I might think about. So, um, I mean, how I handle it, I I just try to be the same person every single day and keep my processes and uh, the reason why I make those decisions, um, have the information and do the best I can.
That's David Ross when he's not Googling himself, as he said, on the Twitter machine. Just make his decisions. And he made some good decisions yesterday. Cubs beat the Rangers 2-0. Marcus Stroman, six innings. And a two-inning save for Michael Fulmer. And just like that, you got Cody Bellinger in a bounce-back year. Ian Happ, who... Doesn't have a contract. Let's see. He's gold glove. He's an all-star. He hits a ball, and the Cubs don't want to pay for him. You know, Wilson Contreras, same way. I don't know. They move in mysterious ways. Let's see if we can figure some of this out. We're going to go to the score hotline presented by Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Joining me on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score from the Tribune. She covers the Cubs, Megan Montemuro. Megan, thanks for taking time out today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. We're... So I'm going to ask you this first. We'll get to this later. Greatest Joe in Chicago sports history. Last week was National Joe Day, and I didn't get to it. And now I'm getting to it. It's the greatest Joe in Chicago sports history. Oh, boy. I don't I don't. You're, you're putting me on the spot here. I don't know if I can come up with something. All right. Well, you can think as we go you, along. Who do you, it's who open. do you have? It's, I started with Joe Madden. And right. that was a recency bias. And I went back to Joe Tinker and then Caesar, my my producer, says, nobody knows him. Somebody suggested <laughs> on the text line, somebody suggested Joe Jackson, which was famous, notorious, however you want to go. And all manner of Joe, Joseph, Joey, Joe Kim in in this city especially. So I and somebody mentioned Joe Pepitone, and I thought, well, that's just that's a whole lot of long hair. That's shaggy dog stuff. And you can go with Jose. See, Jose Cardinal. We had several textures like that. Sure, that's pretty, that's pretty wide range you got. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, the let's go to, back to you, Marcus Stroman. Second straight six inning outing and six inning shutout outing. This is this is someone for whom the World Baseball Classic, he says, this did me some good, and the Cubs are bene- benefiting from it. This is this is what the Cubs paid for last year, what they thought they were going to get on a regular basis. Is it not? Yeah, I mean, and, and this is kind of what he showed once, you know, he got through the IL stint and being on the COVID list. I mean, he was on a roll um, when you look at his last two and a half to three months of the season. Um, and, and you look really even beyond that, his track record uh, with the Mets and with the Blue Jays. I mean, he can be, you know, your, your, your tone setter at the top of the rotation. So, you know, these first two starts are really showing, you know, what he can be for this team. And he's followed today by Justin Steele, who, by the way, hasn't given up anything. 0.00 ERA, Mr. Blutarski. So this is like, wait, are you really this guy? Maybe we'll find out. He's going up against Martin Perez today in the afternoon game. You'll hear pregame on at 2.30 here on the score. So, Justin Steele, you buying, you selling, you believe this? It's not. I'm not expecting him to finish with zero earned runs all year, but, but scout him for us. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a believer that he can build off of last year, which was really impressive, and, and really solidify himself potentially as their number two guy. I mean, he's, he's a – a guy that has a fastball that he can manipulate. He can, you know, get some rising movement on it. He can put some cut on it. Um, you know, he has a slider that he can manipulate. Like his pitch mix looks like it's only a two pitch mix between fastball slider, but his ability 
to manipulate each of those pitches really creates kind of four pitches within the, those two pitch types. And so um, I think it's going to be a really interesting season for him and, you know, kind of the direction this rotation takes, I think is going to be largely centered on, you know, what, what do they get out of steel and, and is he a better version of what he even showed last year? Well, they kind of bet on that. We're going to have starting pitching and we're going to catch everything. We don't need strikeout. We don't need guys with strikeout stuff. They didn't go after him. We just need guys to hit the ball and do that. And everybody who dares to hit the ball to Dansby Swanson is learning you shouldn't hit the ball to Dansby Swanson. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, I mean, so far this first week, their their team, the way they've built their team has certainly been shining. I mean, they they are obviously seriously relying on their infielders and outfielders to to catch the ball and, and make those difficult plays. So far, they've been able to do that. Um, so really, then you know when you look at the pitching and defense combination, can their offense find those timely hits? Um, and so far they, they've had some moments where they've been able to. My guest is Megan Montemuro. She covers the Cubs for the Tribune. We're talking Cubs baseball here on the score. You'll hear Cubs baseball here on the score at 2.30 pregame. The Cubs and Rangers in game two of their series, Justin Steele against Perez. And the the... I love the new rules. I love the fact that the baseball, in the White Sox case, you get to the meltdown quicker with the way these these the uh, pitch clock works. With the Cubs case, you just it gets done sooner, and and everything moves along, and there's a pace to it. And everybody where the players were, hey, it's our game. Why can't they give us back our game? Well, guess what? Your game wasn't really moving along. It wasn't as popular. However, there's probably stuff that hasn't been said that you might be privy to that players might be grousing about or players might be happy about. What have you gathered on or off the record? What is so, what's sort of the attitude of the play, of the Cubs players regarding the new rules? I mean, I think generally, especially when it comes to the pitch clock, everybody you know believes something needed to be done to improve the pace of play. I think maybe there's some variance within there of, you know, hearing from a couple of players who, who maybe think it's a little bit too quick, um, that maybe, you know, a couple more seconds on the pitch clock would be helpful. But I think generally speaking, you know, everyone knows that it's a better game, you know, to watch, to be a part of when you have, um, you know, pitches constantly in play, more balls in play with the, with the shift limitations, um, so, I mean, I really haven't heard anyone, you know, really diss the, the the changes. I think there's a feeling that maybe there could be some tweaks with some of the stuff that's implemented. But generally speaking, you know, it, it's it's a direction that, is, you know, players acknowledge was needed and are on board with. I love Cody Bellinger talking about the, the lack of defensive shifts, saying hits that used to be hits are now hits again. There's sort of a Yogi Baroness to that and the Cubs really needed to see that they needed to see him after going 0 for 11 and now he's 5 for 12 he's got five RBIs this is the bounce back they paid 17 million dollars for right the kind of the start of a bounce back right yeah and I mean and you know he's been hitting fourth right now with Jay Suzuki um you know beginning his rehab assignment and so you, you need uh someone like him to be able to drive the ball, you know, bring some runs in, especially when you see what, you know, Nico Horner, Nancy Swanson, and Ian Happ have been doing in front of him uh, the, fir- the first week of the season. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think both sides look at it as a win-win deal. Like, the Cubs want him to, to ball out and, you know, go out there, you know, and, and get another great deal for himself. And, obviously, Bellinger wants to do the best that he can, both for himself and the team. So, you know, early returns after that, that first homestand are, are what both sides want to be seen. Megan Montemoreau is my guest. She covers the Cubs for the Tribune. We're talking Cubs baseball here on the score. You'll hear Cubs baseball here on the score. 2.30 is the pregame. They'll play the Rangers at the top of that hour. And Justin Steele will be going. The So last week I thought, you know what? They need they need to bolster the, repu- the, the rotation, and they really need a left-handed power bat. So I wanted them to trade for Shohei Otani because the Angels are going to suck. See, like yesterday, Otani and Trout, they did their thing. Nobody else got any hits. The Angels are just going to suck. They don't need Otani. They don't know what to do with them. They don't know how to win. The Cubs could win. So, what would it cost to trade for Shohei Otani? Uh, a lot. <laughs> I, would say, I would say probably start with your first, like, four to five top prospects and maybe work from there. I mean, it, it's honestly, it's, it's really hard to project at this moment because – I mean, he's a, a once-in-a-lifetime type of talent, especially in this era of baseball. Um, so I think it's just it's, it, it'll, be, it'll come down, I imagine, to potential bidding war. You know, at the trade deadline, who's willing to give him up for half a season? And then, of course, with that half a season, you have an opportunity to potentially negotiate a contract extension. So. I mean, I, I'm I'm going to be fascinated to see what they ultimately end up getting for him. I think that I I don't know what they expect of Seiya Suzuki, and he was on a Kosuke Fukudomi trend last year before he got hurt, which kind of allowed him to reset the clock. But now he's gotten hurt again, and and he bulked up, and it's the oblique thing, and you go, oh my god, this guy is just going to be a regular. His best use may be. If they get the chance to bid on him, if if the Ricketts family has the nerve to go chase him with money, how important might Seiya Suzuki be? And perhaps you Darvish, whatever his experience in Chicago was, how important would they be to the actual wooing of Shohei Otani? Yeah, I mean, that's hard to say because it's not, you know, we only got to talk to say a little bit during camp because his injury happened like right when games started and then you know we didn't really have a chance to talk to him about any of the WBC stuff um, until it was well over so he really obviously didn't have a chance to interact or play with Otani um, so I think it's an, it's an interesting question you know does having another Japanese player on the roster help them or somebody like Otani you know would would that two level of Japanese star power not be attractive to either player? Like, I'm really not sure what the answer is to that right now. I mean, I think the first question is, you know, would the Cubs even come close to giving Otani the kind of contract they would have to give him to bring him to Chicago? So I think that's question number one before you even get to, you know, does say and make this help make this an attractive destination. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it could work for them. I think there is something in, in, uh, having comfort of, you know, people like you, people, you know, knowing and having the same culture um, as you, you know, because that's always an adjustment for, for players who are coming internationally. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it, it's potentially an interesting dynamic. Um, but, you know, first off, 
you know, the Cubs have to be willing to to play in that uh, that contract area. Yeah, so you sound a little. You're laughing as you say that, Megan. You you sound a little dubious that um, Tom Ricketts and family would get involved in something that the Yankees and Steve Cohen would gladly dive into. I mean, I, I think they. It's been established over the last couple of years that you know they're just not comfortable wading into those levels of contracts. Um, and, and, you know, obviously Otani's different in the fact that like you're essentially paying for two players, but um, I, I think their approach has kind of been well established these last three years since Jed Hoyer has taken over. And I, I'm just in the camp of, I need to see it to believe it. I'm, I'm not sold that they would pay, you know, Four hundred, five hundred million dollars um, to Otani. So it, it, yeah, so I, I'm definitely. I need to see it before I, I buy that they'd be willing to invest that level of money. Okay, well they they put a hotel out there, so it's sort of like playing Monopoly in Ricketsville. You, you put a hotel out there, you can afford the the greatest unicorn in baseball history. All right, Megan, I appreciate your time. Thanks for spending part of Saturday with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, Megan Montemuro, she covers the Cubs for the Tribune. Some baseball stuff coming up after this. we got to take a break. I'll continue asking the question. A name popped up on the tech zone about, as I asked, the, the greatest Joe. And no, it was not Joe Ostrowski. That was one of the names that popped up. The greatest Joe in Chicago history because last week was National Joe Day. But a... Joe name popped up, and he's on the Cubs broadcast. And there's also an anniversary of one of the great moments in baseball history and an anniversary of another moment precious to, well-known to, or of interest to Chicago baseball fans, both sides of town. We'll come back with that. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum here. Stevie Suckage here. Saturday Suckage. So, my new rapper name, maybe new, maybe not. The reigning champion is Dr. Dreidel. You can go to 6 up at our Twitter, our Twitter machine, right? Caesar? Caesar Perez, right? Okay, so where are we on this? Right now at the moment, with nearly 70%, just over 69%, is Post Shalom leading the uh, reigning champ, Dr. Drado, who, Dr. Drado, excuse me, who has 30% at the moment. All right. We have Post Shalom as the new challenger to Dr. Dreidel as my new rap name. Today's April 8th. April 8th, 1974. One of the all-time great baseball moments. Dodgers and Braves. Al Downing on the mound. Henry Aaron at bat. Vin Scully at the mic. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. What a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south 
for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron. That's just wonderful. That's just wonderful. Vinny's the best, and he captured that moment. That was today. There was also local baseball fans might remember this anniversary. No, they wouldn't. They would have heard about it on a broadcast. But April 8th, 1971, the Giants sent out a rookie pitcher against the Padres. Rookie pitcher's name was and still is Steve Stone. He made his major league debut today. Against the Padres, it did not go well. He went three innings. He gave up four earned runs. There's your basic 12.0 ERA. Gave up a home run, one strikeout, two walks. But you know what? He'd go on to win the Cy Young Award. He would eventually do it. Another team, another league, another lifetime, and he is still talking baseball. He broke in on this date, made his major league debut today in 1971, and here we are decades and decades later. And Steve Stone is cogent, relevant, having fun. He and Jason Benetti make for a great broadcast team. And it's just a shame that they have to deal with that kind of pitching all of a sudden. I mean, Steve Stone, should can, that must be an affront to him to watch that kind of fat Lance or slimmer Geo and just, wait, what? What are you guys doing? So uh, I'd also mentioned, and we had a wonderful suggestions. Wonderful submissions here. National Joe Day was last week. I thought I didn't get to it. I wanted to get to it. Greatest Joe in Chicago sports history. And many of you suggested Jody Davis, all variants of Joe. And it's either many of you or it's just Maggie Hendricks on burner phones sending in these different (laughs) numbers. And somebody suggested Joe Ostrowski, and it might have been Joe Ostrowski for all I know. But. Somebody suggested Joe Girardi. We just had Megan on, Megan Montemurro. She covers the Cubs. Now he's in the booth, the marquee booth, right? Joe Girardi, which you, he was, I'll tell you a story about Joe Girardi. He was, at a time, maybe the only credible person in the Cubs organization. And, And you're laughing, but there was a day it was a Cubs Cardinal series, a weekend series at Wrigley. So there's 40,000 people in the park, and there's 40,000 people drinking outside the park and running around with baseball gloves. And word comes that Daryl Kyle was found dead in his hotel room. Some of you may or may not remember that. That's what happened. Tony La Russa was managing the Cardinals then, back when Tony La Russa could manage. So they come to Wrigley Field. They cannot play the game. The Cubs, the Andy McPhail run Cubs, agree. They settle it with Major League Baseball. We're not going to play the game. It's going to be postponed. To whenever, I don't know. Well, now you've got 40,000 fans in this afternoon game at Wrigley. It's Cubs-Cardinals. And you got to tell them to go home. So, how are you going to do that? Who does it? 
The most credible person in the inner circle there is Tony La Russa. At that time, trust me, people, he had credibility then. But he's a Cardinals manager. You're going to send him out to the home plate and have him go talk to Cub fans? Hey, you guys got to go home. You'll find you'll find out why. So the Cubs team president was Andy McPhail. Oh, my God. He'd lost credibility. And then there was the manager was Don Baylor. Nobody was buying that. Don Baylor might be best known. His songs were talking about Joe's. He was the guy who left Joe Borowski out there to pitch through. Joe Borowski was the ultimate sweating mayonnaise guy. That was a legendary start one Saturday afternoon, and it must have been 100 degrees. So you've got the team president of the home team has no credibility. You can't send him out to tell people to go home. You have the manager. The manager of the Cubs is so disliked, apparently, they can't send him out there either. So they give the mic to Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi is the guy who walks out to home plate, has a mic. He's got to tell Cubs and Cardinals fans, no game today. He did an excellent job. He explained there's something you'll hear more details about later on. There is going to, no game today. We need you to ask, leave in a timely manner and in a calm manner. And Joe Girardi did an excellent job. He was the one guy. He was captain credibility and that Cubs team, which tells you how bad they were, how ugly it was, how dangerous it was. And that's how, how pathetic so many people in the Cubs organization at that time were when Tribune's company still owned them. And speaking of pathetic ownership, Tribune Company's right there. Anyways, if you're looking for the greatest Joe, it's probably not Joe Girardi, but for a moment... He was the guy. He was the guy with all the credibility in the world. I love Joe Girardi. I he's terrific. And I know he's a bit of a <clears throat> analytical recalcitrant, but he's got his books. He's got his numbers. He goes, by the way, and he managed his way to a World Series in, the, in New York. He managed the Yankees to a World Series. And he did one of the coolest things I've ever seen on a baseball field. Caesar, you may or may not remember this. Caesar Perez, my producer. You know how you've seen, like Joe Madden did it when he was going to take David Ross out. He was going to make sure when he, instead of going to the mound to remove the pitcher, Joe Madden removed the catcher, his last regular season game, David Ross. So he could, and David Ross had no idea. So he could walk off to a deserved applause. And you could see, you can watch, find the, the video of it, and David Ross says, no, you, are you kidding me? Now, Joe Girardi did this, and I think he did it, I, I think he did it before David Ross's last, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Anyways, he was going to give that same kind of applause to Mariano Rivera. It was a game that didn't matter, the Yankees. So he had Revere in in the late innings, but he wasn't going to let him finish the game. He was going to make sure he walked off. He was replaced. And he was going to make sure he walked off to great applause. Joe Girardi did not go out there. 
Joe Girardi sent Jeter, and he sent Posada, and he sent Pettit. He sent those three out there, longtime teammates of Mariano Rivera, to remove him from the game in his last appearance as a Yankee. I get teared up still watching that. Go find the video of that. It is one of the all-time great things. Joe Girardi, your ace is in my book, and he sounds good on the broadcast. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, boy, they could use an ace beyond Dylan Cease, the White Sox. We'll talk White Sox baseball. On Saturday, Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.